Oh, we are live. That's what the screen says. I guess we got to get to this thing. We call Birds 365, the Mac and Mac guys, because I'm Jody McDonald, and he's John McMullen, and he tells me his Comcast is hanging in there all show long. Are you lying? Are you guessing? Are you uh, like? Well, I'm guessing. I, I I have no power over Xfinity. They Come tell on, me. Wave that magic hand of yours. You can make it stick around. They tell me it's running at one hundred and eighteen percent of optimization. That's, that's what pretty, they tell me. That's a pretty good number. One hundred eighteen percent. Well, it doesn't know. exist, Xfinity. You're making that up. Hundred eighteen? Is that really the number they gave you? Yes, hundred eighteen percent. You run a test, and it says it's running hundred eighteen percent of of what you should be getting. And I felt like saying that's not a real number, as I just said. But let's let them have this. And uh, I think you need Nick Sirianni to consult on this because if you're improving one percent per day, uh, they they've been working hard over there. At, uh, yeah, hundred eighteen percent on one day. Well, that's damn, pretty that's, good. That's pretty damn impressive. Um, well, after we lost you yesterday, Jeff Card, thank you very much for uh, hanging in there and uh, being my co-host after uh, Johnny went down with Comcast issues, but not an issue today in 118%. Eagles had a bit of a busy day juggling a little bit with their roster, so I got to get your take on everything that went down yesterday. We knew IR moves were coming. Um, they kept Tyree Jackson on the 53-man roster. They didn't want to expose him. We knew he was going to go to IR. The question now is how long is he going to be on IR? And if they eventually uh, elevate him to the regular 53-man roster, what is his role going to be when he gets there? But, you know, knew Tyree Jackson uh, was coming. Didn't know about Jack Driscoll. Um, had there been any hints of that? Did he get hurt in the last preseason game? When did Jack Driscoll's injury get to the level of, uh-oh, we better put this guy on IR? No, we didn't know about it, and it's called a pec strain. The Eagles uh, called it. So it could have happened in-game, could have happened in practice. That's the kind of injury that happens to an offensive lineman. However, if you want to go to the conspiracy theory, and I, I wrote about this guy on Sports Illustrated yesterday, Brett Toth is just better than Jack Driscoll. I don't think a lot of Eagles fans realize that. Now, they don't want to lose Jack Driscoll, but I've been saying for a while, they got to carry Brett Toth on this team. They did. They're not only carrying him, he's going to be the – probably, if you think about Andre Dillard, I mean, he's only a left tackle. So, we talk about the Lane Johnson, the ankle issues, and – always being a play away. Well, that's Brett Toth, man. And and by the way, he's better. He's a better player than Jack Driscoll. Uh, right now, the Eagles know that. Uh, I'm not saying it's not a real injury, but they want to keep both players. They want to juggle the roster. You know how this works. He probably, look, he probably tweaked his pack, and they probably went a little bit overboard and say, all right, let's stick him on injured reserve for now and see what happens. Let me ask you about the comparison <laughs> between Driscoll and Toth. Uh, you saw certainly more than we did being there at practice every single day. Um, is, is flexibility the same with these two guys? Because, yes, if the Eagles are going to carry a guy like Andre Dillard, who is purely a left tackle and a guy they don't have confidence in uh, the ability to move around and play different spots on the line, how would you compare the 
flexibility between Botat and Driscoll, not the overall talent and, and what they're able to do at the top of their game, but just plug them in at any one of the four spots other than left tackle is Todd as versatile as Driscoll as well. Well, they're both, uh, they both played inside and outside. Um, they're both more comfortable outside. They both uh, are right tackles, essentially. That's their most comfortable position. It's where Brett played at Army. Jack Driscoll um, played, obviously, at Auburn. I think he started at UMass. Um, the Eagles moved Jack Driscoll first as they do this cross-training inside the right guard. So he played it. He's willing to play it. He, he didn't play as well inside at right guard. Um they did a similar thing with Toth uh, when uh, Andre Dillard went down. He, w- he was getting uh, all the second-team reps at left tackle and playing very well. When Andre came back, they moved him inside the left guard. So they both have similar versatility. I would say Toth is, 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 can play left tackle, left guard, um, right, right tackle. I've seen him play those positions. Hasn't played right guard yet, but if you can play left tackle and left guard, you can play right guard. Driscoll's only been on the right side, so if anything, Toth has a little bit more versatility as well. And uh, I was wondering about keeping 10 offensive linemen. We now know it's down to nine because of the move that they made, uh, at least for what we're projecting to be the 45 when they, uh, they get it up and running on opening day. Um, another addition yesterday, they added another DB because part of the uh, off to the injured list was uh, Josiah Scott. Again, was he hurt late yeah, in training he, he, camp? he was hurt. He hurt his hamstring. That's one of those things with defensive backs, and that's why you need so many defensive backs. I mean, Doug Peterson used to call it a thoroughbred position, and those guys need to be able to run, and they got to be at optimal levels, and they are most susceptible for those hamstring strains, and you see it all the time, not just here, but all around the NFL. Um, So he has a hamstring strain, um, probably going to be about a three-week injury. So it's interesting, and they they picked up Andre. Let's do this right, Jody. Shashure. Shashure um, off waivers from Indianapolis. Somebody Jonathan Gannon is familiar with. I'm told he's got some versatility. He can play outside corner, uh, can play a little bit of safety as well, um, even some nickel corners. So they like versatility. Uh, he's a little bit bigger. I think that helps. If they're looking at him as a cornerback, and that's what he's listed as, but it was interesting. I was talking to a writer in Indianapolis yesterday. He said he was playing a lot of safety in camp and the Eagles listed him as a defensive back. So it, it remains to be seen where they put him. But if they put him a corner, he's got a little bit more size than Josiah Scott or, or Zach McPherson for that matter. Uh, so that could bode well to be a backup uh, on the outside. Or we talked a lot, Rodney McLeod, look, He's not on injured reserve, so that tells you the Eagles expect him in week one, week two, or week three because um, if they didn't, they would have put him on injured reserve. So their thought process is he's going to be back for one of those first three games. But, you know, when in those first three games? 
Kayvon Wallace is back at practice, so that's helpful. Um, we know Anthony Harris is going to start and have Marcus Epps, so they're a little bit uh, shaky there as well from a depth perspective. Now, we brought up a lot over the past couple of days. You can also elevate guys for the pra- from the practice squad, so Elijah Riley could be in the mix to be elevated on game day in Atlanta or something like that. But this just gives them a few more options, obviously, in the defensive backfield. However, I would say you're coming in less than two weeks from the season opener. I can't imagine Andre Shashure is going to be a big part of the plan other than if he's active, maybe special teams against the Falcons. Understood. And the only thing that surprised me about the movement, I don't know, maybe the Eagles found a diamond in the rough and this kid ends up being a major contributor for him. He was on the uh, scrap heap. So uh, you do have to take that into consideration. And I read a couple of stories about uh, several Indianapolis players were a little surprised that he didn't make the team that they thought guys on the roster thought that he was going to be amongst them. Uh, so they read into that what you're going to read into it. I thought if they were looking for someone to step up off the practice squad to add to the roster in the early going in the season, I thought it was going to be Craig James. Cause we talked so much about James and the fact that he didn't make the roster. He knew as soon as he didn't, they would try and get him back for the practice squad. They did. But I thought there was a chance he was going to rejoin the, the the roster pretty quick. Do you think the reason that uh, the new import from the Colts made it was more flexibility? We're back talking flexibility again. Do you think it was the fact that uh, they look at him as both a corner and a safety at the same time, and they might not look at James that way? Do you think that's the reason why he gets the nod? Not necessarily. I mean, understand, look, if you want to acquire this guy, you got to pick him up on waivers from that process, or you're risking losing him. Obviously, if he hits the street, he can sign with anybody. So if the Eagles wanted him, they had to claim him on waivers. If you claim him on waivers, you got to put him on the 53, uh, at least to start. Then maybe they can get him into the building, and Jonathan Gannon can say, look, we want you here. We want to develop you. Um, right now we need Craig James. Right now we need Elijah Riley. We're going to elevate them. We're going to waive you, put you back on the practice squad, kind of finagle things that way. So, Or they might really like him. They might think he's a better player. But it, it, it remains to be seen other than obviously they have some history with this player and they claimed him for a reason. And they do like him enough that they uh, have already released uh, Graylin Arnold from the uh, practice squad. So that's one less overall, whether you're talking about the 70, as the Eagles like to talk about the 70-man roster. It's not just 53. It's 70. Uh, Graylin Arnold has been removed from the 70 with the addition of Mr. Secure, uh, if we got that right, we're going to work on pronouncing his name over the next several weeks, if not months. Well, well, we got it. I think we got it. We got the hyphenetical spelling. So we got it close enough. Let's see how long he's around, Jody, before. Right. We'll just learn how to spell. We'll know how to spell his, uh, pronounce his name, and then he'll be uh, over and done with and on to another squad. All right. uh, Another question I have for you is Hassan Ridgeway also elevated and ready to go. Is this even going to stand or is T.Y. McGill going to be back off the COVID uh, before that first game against Atlanta? Is the Sun Bridgeway going to get an elevation of like a couple of days before they make another thought process deal on him? 
Uh, what do you think of the Ridgeway move? Well, again, procedural. Hassan didn't get elevated. Hassan got re-signed. Hassan was released. He was one of those bested veteran guys. So the Eagles were doing that sort of juggling we talked about, and they brought right. him back. Now, they still have one open roster spot. In theory, it looks like, as you mentioned, T.Y. McGill is on the COVID list. So it looks like they're holding that spot for him. And all of a sudden, there we are with the depth. We all said, wow, that's not a lot of depth at defensive tackle with uh, Marlon T and, and, and Milton Williams because Milton Williams, as a rookie, has played the vast majority of his snaps outside. Actually, outside, he's played more outside right. than inside. So you're looking at there's no depth there. And all of a sudden, 24, 48 hours later, oh, it's going to be Hassan Richway and T.Y. McGill. The perfect example of why there's such a vast overreaction to the initial 53. And we tell people, slow down. There's going to be manipulations. Guys are going to be back. It's going to be fine. And all of a sudden, Ridgeway's back. McGill's going to be back from the COVID list. And you have that uh, depth that looks pretty good, actually, at defensive tackle. And you could probably, yeah, as I said, you can probably get Marlin through waivers if you need to and put him on the practice squad. So there's probably going to be more moves in the coming days, but we're pretty close to having the 53 set for Atlanta. For the first game, because, yes, we are getting dangerously close to that as well. Uh, one other move that Eagles made yesterday that did kind of surprise me was the signing of Nick Eubanks, a uh, tight end from Michigan, to their practice squad. They've got three tight ends on the 53-man roster. Tyree Jackson as well, who we know uh, is, is not ready to go. They put him on the IR, and it's not going to be three weeks of IR. It's going to be more like a half a season of I, IR, and it may turn out to be because the Eagles medical team doesn't get it right every time. You and I were talking about Alshon Jeff, uh, Jeffries before the show. Uh, it was uh, on the 53 uh, all year long even though they could have gotten to a half-year IR before Alshon was ever ready to be suited up and get back out there onto the field. So they've got four tight ends on the 70 right now. Do they really need a fifth? I, I'm not sure unless they think that Eubanks is some great find. Uh, just looking at it from a depth-wise position, that's a lot of tight ends for one. And then we're going to hear the, oh, the Zach Ertz trade could still come down. It's not happening. Zach Ertz is here, folks. Those <laughs> of you who want to see him elsewhere and think how he's going to get that second-round pick for him, it's not happening. Zach Ertz is going to be here. The question for me is, why is Mr. Eubanks here, too? 16-man practice squad, Jody. Yeah, it probably wouldn't be if it were 10 like the old days or even 12 like it was supposed to be elevated to before COVID turned it into 16. You got more room. So... You see a guy you like, you pick him up, you put him on the practice squad for a couple of weeks. Yeah, the Eagles seem set at tight end with obviously uh, Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, Jack Stoll. And Stoll. They, yep. they love uh, Tyree Jackson, um, but he's going to be out for two months. Um, look, you got 16 guys. You got you got to fill them up with, with players. And uh, that's one of the positives of having the extra practice squad spots. You can – you can use those last couple spots to just look at players you think might have a chance. And if they don't, you can quickly rotate them out and bring other guys in. And I don't want to downgrade the issue that COVID-19 is still in our country because it is. It's still an issue. 
back it up one year from today, and it was certainly a bigger issue in 2020 than it has been in 2021 for comfortable days. Uh, but the NFL had to make its decision on how large the practice squad is going to be uh, months ago when we didn't know what kind of advancement we'd be making and how many people we'd have vaccinated and what kind of an effect it would have. Um, next year, we expected to be even in an even better position as medicine continues to get a little more finely tuned and uh, the vaccines, one of the three have been uh, cleared by the FDA, the other two probably not far behind. How many do you think we're going to have on the practice squad next year? Did, did the NFL get used to this and like this? And everybody says if uh, management doesn't have a problem with larger rosters, which means more money out of pocket, well, then I know the coaches and the general managers like it because it just gives you that many more players to manage and that yeah. many more darts at the dartboard. What do you think the practice squad number? And I'm asking you to be a little bit of a science scientist here, J-Mac, which I'm not sure is more your wheelhouse than my wheelhouse, but uh, how many uh, do you think they have on the practice squad 2022? Well, the CBA says 12, so ultimately I think it'll bounce back to 12, but I I do think you're right. I mean, everybody seems to like it. The coaches like it. They love to liberalize. The personnel people love the liberalized uh, IR rules. I mean, they're so much better than they were before. I think that has a better chance to stick than the 16-man practice squads. Now, from the union's perspective, that's four extra jobs per team. So, you know, that's 128. Even I can do that, Matt, Jody. That's that's 128 extra guys employed by the NFL. So they'll push, you know, once you get something, nobody wants to give it up. Exactly. They'll push to keep it. Um, ultimately – it's 12 in the CBA, and I think they'll default to that. Um, but, yeah, the coaches love it. Uh, the personnel people love it. Um, do the owners love it? We're talking pennies, but you know rich people. They'd like to pinch pennies. Oh, the NFL, every time it gets into a collective uh, bargaining agreement with the players, it's always we keep every single dollar we can. You need more days off? You got it. Less hitting in practice? You got it. They'll give them a bunch of things. None of them ever equate to more dollars in the players' pockets. The owners keep the dollars for themselves. That's the way the collective bargaining agreements have gone the last two or three times they've had to negotiate. And yes, because of things like COVID, every once in a while you have an outside collective, outside the collective bargaining agreement negotiation. Yeah, the owners always seem to hang on to their money when it comes to that. But in this case, if the practice squad is as big as they've made it going forward, it would actually be a couple more dollars out of the owner's pocket. All right, uh, speaking of going out of pocket, we're paying big bucks for our next guest. Or at least we're telling him that. Uh, that we're telling him the checks in the mail, too. Uh, whenever we get him on, he brings the goods. Zach Berman, who covers the uh, Eagles for the Athletic, joins us next here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. 
The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. It is the week before, the week before. Here on Bird 365. But check it, folks. Football is just around the corner. Here to talk some Eagles football with, guy, with us is a guy who's been covering them for years, formerly in town, now nationally with the Athletic. Zach Berman jumps oh, aboard here on Birds 365. How are you, ZB? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Zach. Good to see you. I see you every day, but we'll exactly. see. Exactly. Uh, I do want to start with Zachers because you did a wonderful job kind of encapsulating uh, the entire uh, drama soap opera, so to speak, when we all thought, I think, really, it was 100%. We thought Zach Ertz had played his last down for the Philadelphia Eagles. All of a sudden, we fast forward. We're just over a week away from the season opener. Zach Ertz is here. Zach Ertz is going to be a big part of this offense. What changed, Zach Berman? What What do you think was the, the crux of what went on here? Well, two things I would say. First off, the Eagles obviously had a price that was set. And they weren't going to give him away. They weren't going to release him. Uh, their their price had to be met, and it seems that that price wasn't met. So that's that's one end of it. The other end of it, uh, it seems to be deliberate from Zach Ertz's his perspective, and he spoke about this. Is there is a playbook, if you will, for disgruntled, high profile athletes to, for lack of a better term, use the scorched earth approach, right? And he said the term he used is some people want him to burn the city down, right, or, or burn it down. Um, that's an approach that, that can be effective, where 
uh, in essence, players operate their leverage, use their leverage to make it an untenable situation for the team and the player to coexist. And Zach Ertz did not do that. Uh, he was he was notably frustrated last year, right? That That's not a secret. And he was mm-hmm. honest. He said this time last year, going into week one, if you want to juxtapose this year to last year, he said he wants to end his career here. He, he doesn't think the feeling is mutual, right? Uh, or something along mm-hmm. those lines. And and John's talked about this in, the, in terms of the discord between him and Howie Roseman leading up to week one last year. There was – he was not particularly happy last year. And he said he, he made a deliberate choice not to leak anything this year, not to ruffle feathers, that if he's going to be here, uh, he's, he's going to accept it. And that seems to be what it is. From his perspective, he's accepted that. Uh, he says he's having the most fun he's had in a long time. I think a big part of that is he's healthy. Now, it's easy for us to say this on September 3rd when it's just training camp practices. I think the real test is going to come when they have, let's say, 75, 80 snaps a game to allocate. And how do you split it up between Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz without being a heavy 12 personnel team? We'll see how it does shake out. That is going to be very interesting on how uh, the new head coach deploys his players. Scorched earth. What do you mean? Like Ben Simmons? Never mind. That's for another show and another place at another time. Um, Zach was open to mending fences. Someone had to, from the Eagles' perspective, be part of that mending fences process as well. All Nick Sirianni, tight end coach, uh, teammates. Who helped get these two parties back to a position where Zach Ertz could come in, do an interview, guys like saying, this is the most fun I've had in years. Uh, We need to give credit to both sides, certainly Zach himself, who on the Eagles side. Well, first off, I I do think Nick Sirianni wanted him here, right? I I think Nick Sirianni saw the talent that Zach Ertz has. And uh, as, as an offensive coach, as a former pass catcher himself, I think he he knows the value of someone who's proven he can get open. So that's that's part one. And then uh, you know I I I don't have all the particulars here, but as as Zach Hurd said, there have been apologies, there have been uh, fence mending here. You know they they figure out a way to to reconcile this. And the reality is, this is the only franchise where Zach Hurd has ever played, and. Uh, they've they've rewarded Zach Ertz over his career. Now they haven't rewarded him with that third contract or that 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 big contract extension that he was <clears> hoping <throat> when when George Kittle and, and Travis Kelsey got theirs last year. But uh, the relationship between the Eagles and Zach Ertz has 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 been a solid one for most of these past eight years. Uh, so I, I I think there was a core heads prevail component of it as well. Yeah, Zach, I, I think the most astute part of your article, and everybody should read it at The Athletic, I think you guys are still doing the, the preseason uh, sale, so everyone should subscribe to that. But, um, Zach, you pointed out, look, when you talk about forgiveness, that means you have to. there's something to forgive. When you exactly. talk about apologies, that means there was something to apologize before. So I, want, I do want to give credit to Nick Sirianni. And I want to throw this out there to see if you notice the same thing. Nick obviously talks about his core values all the time. Number one is connect. Almost every day, I would say, I've been there every day. You've been there every day. 
I noticed Nick Sirianni talking to Zach Ertz a little bit longer than, you know, he, he does a lot of client ha- handing. He spends a lot of time with Zach Ertz. I got to give Nick Sirianni credit, some credit for this. Am I overstating that? I I don't think you're overstating it. I, I, I think part of what uh, it, the Eagles hope makes it, uh, Nick Sirianni a good coach is that understanding about connecting with players, is his ability to do that, is is knowing how to coach different players. I, I also think, uh, like, uh, contract issues aside, Zach Ertz is, is a professional in every sense of the word in terms of how he goes about practice, how he goes about preparation, how he goes about uh, being an NFL player. And I think for a new coaching staff, they appreciate that, right? Like, if, if, if you are uh, – if you're running a training camp and and you see the way Zach Ertz practices on August 6th, um, coaches appreciate that. So I, I I think there's a mutual respect there. Zach, uh, I want to get a couple of roster positions down with you since Eagles just cut down this week. We surely haven't had John, uh, but we surely have been reading what you've been putting in the athletics. Yesterday made a move, Jack Driscoll to IR didn't elevate an offensive lineman to the uh, 53, which means as of right now, they only have four uh, four backup guys, one of which is Andre Dillard, who we all assume is just a left tackle, and one of which is Landon Dickerson, who we don't know if he's capable of playing not. He's got all of one week of practice underneath his belt. We know how much the Eagles think of him and how uh, highly he's regarded in the uh, organization, but can he actually be on the active for this week? And if so, if there is an injury, are they going to feel confident to put him in there and play? I would be surprised if he's, if he's there week one without really much time in, in full team drills. Uh, so look, it, it's, it's hard to say at, at this point, I haven't seen a full practice with him out there. Uh, so, you know, you see the individual work. We'll see what the practice reports say next week. But but my guess is that Nate Herbig is the top interior reserve uh, for week one. But I, I do think within that six-week period, it's going to be Landon Dickerson. Otherwise, you have an Alshon Jeffrey situation from last year. So I, 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 I think that from their calculations, Landon Dickerson is going to be back uh, active in the in the in the I, I don't want to say in the starting lineup, but in the game day actives within the first six weeks of the season. Now, I think one of the most surprising players in camp, Zach, has been Brett Toth, and I think people don't realize how much the Eagles like him, how much the Eagles value him. All of a sudden, we get to the final fifty-three. Not only is he there, but Jack Driscoll goes to IR. He's been playing left tackle. He played right tackle in college at Army. That's his natural position. He played left guard. Is he going to be the swing tackle week one? He he could be right now. It depends what you do with Dillard. Now that you know the extra game day active spot for all offensive linemen means you potentially have have both up. Uh, but I would imagine Dillard is is active. I, I I don't think Dillard would be inactive. But because Toth can play both sides, that I, you are right about that. That is something to watch. And it, I, I I like what you said about Toth in terms of people not knowing. How, how much the Eagles like him. Uh, as a case in point, if you want to know why the Eagles cut vested veterans like Jordan Howard this year and Raven Clark and some of these other guys who they brought back to the practice squad and maybe kept 
some of these players on rookie contracts who were not standout performers during the summer. Look at Brett Toth in 2019. The Eagles waived him at cuts. They thought they were going to, they were going to get him through to the practice squad. And they were none too pleased when Arizona claimed him. And they are very cognizant of not losing young talent that a year from now, two years from now, they think can be rotational players. So I think Brett Toth is an example of that. All right, let's talk about uh, Eagles and roster moves and very wary of losing a guy. I don't think J.J. Arcega-Whiteside fell into that category, but maybe you do, and that's why I'm going to ask the question. He he makes the roster. Fulgham doesn't. Hightower doesn't. I don't think anybody thought Hightower was in the mix, but Fulgham had that really solid four-game yes. run last year. Is J.J. Arcega-Whiteside still on the 53 because – yeah, they thought they would lose him if they put him out there and couldn't bring him back to the practice squad the day they did, the same way they did with the two previously mentioned wide receivers. Is it the fact that they think this is it? This is the breakout year. He's actually going to live up to that second draft round status or because he's become such an outstanding special teams player, <laughs> or so we've been told. I haven't necessarily seen that from my own two eyes. Why is J.J. Arcega Whiteside on this roster? Well, I, I don't think it's – it's you know, I, I've seen fans say that they don't want to get rid of their former second-round pick, and I don't think that's the case. I, I, I think they've accepted, for lack of a better term, the sunk cost element of that pick, right? I, I think there's a few things here. If, if it was me putting the roster together, I probably would have kept Travis Phil- – I would have kept Fulgham because he has demonstrated performance in games. But if, if you're going to get up there and you're going to talk about competition like Nick Sirianni has and it's a new staff uh, – J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has been better, has been more consistent, has been a better practice player uh, during the summer. And that should matter, number one. Number two, Travis Fulgham was a top three receiver at the beginning of camp. He's not anymore, right? If, if you're receiver four or five, special teams matters. And J.J., for his part, uh, you know, he's, he's essentially become Matt Collins here, right, where he'll help out on special teams and he's a big body receiver for you in a depth role. Uh, and, and, and JJ for whatever criticism is levied against him. And from a performance perspective, it's, 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 it's fair. He is a hard worker. He is a guy that cares. He is a guy that, that does the right things Monday to Saturday. And that matters when you're talking about the number five receiver. So I think those factors are why he's on the team. I think he earned a spot on the team as the number five receiver. He hasn't earned a spot to be a starting receiver, which is what they drafted him to be but he's earned a spot to be a depth guy for them. All right, Zach, going back to what you said about Brett Toth, the Eagles were none too pleased when they lost him via waivers. The Eagles picked up a player via waivers yesterday that Jonathan Gannon is very familiar with from his time in Indianapolis. Don't want to butcher his name. Andre Shashure, uh, who's a defensive back coming in from the Colts. Now, I talked to a couple of Colts writers. They thought he was going to make the team out there. A little bit of versatility, uh, can play corner, can play safety. You think this is just a flyer? Do you think this is a significant plan? Obviously, it's difficult to get him up to speed uh, this close to week one of the regular season. Is this going to be a roster juggling scenario? He'll eventually end up on the practice squad. What do you make of that waiver claim? Sure. Well, I- I think the familiarity with Jonathan Gannon certainly helps. That's a position that I, I thought the Eagles would look to address post-cuts. I, I thought they would look DB, defensive line. They brought back Ridgeway, uh, and then potentially wide receiver or, or, or 
in the backfield. And there's still time there. But uh, no, I I think he's someone who can help them with depth. He has he has versatility. The Eagles are light at cornerback as it is, and Josiah Scott's hurt, so it makes sense for them to add somebody. I frankly don't know much about him as a player, but I heard the same reports you have in terms of uh, he looked really good in Colts camp, and certainly after a year with Gannon in the room last year, the Eagles have a degree of insight on him. Hi, Jack. Uh, you got to see, like everyone else, three preseason games, but you guys got to see all the snaps in the joint practice games, which the Eagles at least verbally put a lot of emphasis on and weighed heavily in decisions and roster making. I need your interpretation of the play calling on both sides of the ball. We probably spend that much more time offensively, certainly ready, willing, and able to second guess. After the fact on play calling, Nick Sirianni arguably kept the dry vanilla in preseason. They don't want to tip their hand. They don't want to show their stuff, but they do want to get enough work in that they can evaluate their own players and the ability to do what they're going to call when the season starts this Sunday. Jonathan Gannon, same thing on defense. There were certain things he was going to do, certain things he wasn't going to show. Give me the Zach Berman rating on the play calling of both the new play caller, the head coach, Nick Sirianni, and the guy who's going to call the defense is Jonathan Gannon so far. It's a good question, and, and the, the truth is it's it <laughs> still is incomplete. And the reason I, I say that, even after watching the joint practices, is you start to get a sense of, of, of their scheme you know, for, uh, for instance, on on defense, they're going to be multiple in the truest sense of the word. They're going to look they're they're going to have more uh, different types of packages than you've seen from you know the Eagles in the past. I I, I think uh, on offense, you're going to see a lot of pre-snap movement. You're going to see them mix and match personnel. You're not going to see a dedicated slot receiver, for instance. I think you're going to see guys move around. With all that said, I think more so than in the past, they're going to be matchup dependent. Right. Uh, and and you you hear that sometimes with the Patriots, for instance, I, I, I think they're going to be a team that because of the flexibility that they've tried to create on both sides of the ball, they might look different against Atlanta than they would against San Francisco. And and, and so what I haven't yet seen is Nick Sirianni put a plan together for the defense they're facing. And, they, and I, I think I think that's critical. There are. You know, I, I think Nick Sirianni has been impressive in a lot of the things you you look for in August. But what I haven't yet seen is him as a play caller, him as a game manager. And uh, those are two big variables that I, I frankly, those are the two big things that I'm most fascinated to watch when they get out there on Sunday against Atlanta. Well, let's talk about the offense. And obviously, we, we, we focus on the quarterback, and we'll get to Jalen Hurts with you, Zach. But I, I – we did mention a little bit about the receivers with JJ, but he's the number five guy. When you look at the top three receivers on this team, a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, maybe more than ever for the Philadelphia Eagles as a franchise, but also there's, there's uncertainty. I mean, we're talking Mm -hmm. about a rookie who has unbelievable talent and two second year players who don't have, a lot of what you say demonstrated performance. You and I have been covering this league long enough to know when you have a lot of questions, maybe some are answered positively, but not all of them. There's going to be some negatives. So how much does that concern you with so much uncertainty at the wide receiver position? It would concern me if they didn't have what they have at tight end 
and they weren't going to use their backs the way they are in the backfield. Frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm more fascinated to see if they use the receivers the way I think Nick wants to use his receivers, right? Uh, you know, he's, he's a former, he's a former wideout himself. Like, you know, I think they wanted to be more of an 11 personnel team, but, but like you mentioned, if, if we wrote down the, the top five skill guys, there might be one wide receiver on that list, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and that's Devontae Smith. So on a play-to-play basis, how many wide receivers are you going to have on the field? If, if, if you want to be 11 personnel, so if you want to have three receivers on the field, who's, who's coming off? Uh, who's, is, is Ertz not playing? Is Goddard not playing? Because both those guys want to be out there. Now, to answer the question succinctly about wide receivers, I don't have questions about Devontae Smith. Now, I, I don't think he's going to be the producer he was last year at Alabama, but that's prolific production. I still think he's 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 going to have the most targets and the most production that a wide receiver's had here since Alshon in 2017 and maybe since Jeremy Macklin in 2014. Beyond that, on a game-to-game basis, I don't know what you're getting from Jalen Rager. I'm intrigued by Quez Watkins, but we haven't really seen him much in games yet, right? So uh, there are a lot of questions there, and that's why I, I think even though their intentions were to be a team that focuses on their wide receivers, the result is going to be more tight ends and running backs. You're going to see a lot of throws to the tight ends, a lot of throws to the running backs. One of the things I will give Howie Roseman credit for is that he realizes that at times you must be fluid in your thinking and you must be fluid in your actions. If three games into this season, Zach Ertz is in the top five in tight end receptions and yards per catch, He's already got, oh, a handful of touchdowns in the first couple of weeks. Did the Eagles do a 180 and say, we want one of our tight ends under contract going forward for next year? Do we try and get a reasonable, maybe more short-term, not five-year, but two-year deal done with Zach Ertz and believe he's still got that much left in the tank and take our chances with uh, our other tight end who we've been negotiating with to get an extension done? Or did they double down on Goddard because, yeah, Zach Ertz is making his name again and is going to hit the free agent market and a better payday is going to be out there for him. How does Howie handle tight end if Zach Ertz in the first several games of the season looks like the Zach Ertz of old, not the guy playing through an ankle injury last year? Yeah, good question. And the, the, the truth there is that their approach to Zach Ertz has, has never been because they don't think Zach Ertz is a good player. It's because the presence of Dallas Goddard. They drafted Dallas Goddard to essentially replace Zach Ertz. He's 26 years old. He's an ascending player. All things being equal, they would rather re-sign the 26-year-old than the 30-year-old. Now, it often comes down to price, too. Uh, I don't don't see a scenario where both are here long-term. So the the, you have to commit to one. I still think they commit to the 26-year-old, but it's not implausible to think that if 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 they still think Zach Ertz has 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 football left, that they look at Dallas Goddard as an asset. Uh, now I I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think they're they're going to keep Goddard and not Ertz long term. But it's 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 certainly not out of the realm of possibility. Let me let me follow up, John. I'll let you get in here in a second. How does Tyree Jackson play into that? If they're going, if, if Ertz does look really good, and yes, you want a tight end, you can look forward to maybe not with a thirty year old guy. But if they like Tyree Jackson that much and think he could be the guy two years from now, three years from now, four years from now, 
does that factor into how they look at their top two tight ends, how their third best tight end is developing looking like a possible option down the road? Not at all. I, I don't think they can make any decisions with the top two guys based on Tyra Jackson's potential. Okay. I think if, if it works out that Tyra Jackson is a, is a, is a productive player, even better. You have, you know, you have two tight ends there, but if, if they took Kyle Pitts number six this year, for instance, if he was there and they took him at six, that changes the, the Goddard equation. I don't think Tyree Jackson's presence affects the Goddard equation. Well, Zach, we we uh, we always talk about the Sam Bradford scenario. In a lot of ways, I think uh, Howie Roseman was waiting for that, at least at the start of training camp, uh, a potential injury. He got it. Ironically, he got it in Minnesota. All of a sudden, here comes Rick Spielman. He's making a phone call. He's asking about Dallas Goddard. Now, is that as simple as how we will listen to anything and say, well, give me a first round pick and that ends that and the Vikings go in another direction? Or is this relationship with Zach Ertz repaired to the point where they would consider something like that if somebody at least knocked their socks off? Sure. You know, I, I and I, I don't know the particulars of the Minnesota situation, but I I do know and and how he has 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 said this everyone's available in essence right there's a price for everyone number one and 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 number two i i I think that yeah if 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 you know for instance when there was all this discussion about them possibly being a suitor for deshaun watson and if it was going to take players in addition to the picks it wasn't out of the realm of possibility that you would think dallas goddard might be a player included in that so the optionality uh of having Ertz here if you did have to move goddard that that uh you know, I I certainly think that is is a relevant conversation to have, but I don't think they've they've like made a decision to move on from Goddard. I I, I still think they're an organization that wants Goddard here long term. All right, Zach, I'm going to have to ask you one of those read between the lines questions, which aren't easy because you'd love to have evidence for your own edification when you're asked an opinion question on what a player is going to be able to do. We didn't see a whole hell of a lot of Ryan Kerrigan in the preseason. Injury issues, uh, moving him back and forth between stand-up, outside linebacker, and defensive end. I know what I saw last year with him, and I thought he was an excellent, excellent sign by the Eagles. But I'm not even sure how he fits into the mix. As of right now, going into week number one, we assume he's going to be cleared. We assume he's going to be one of the active players that week. What do the Eagles think they can get out of Ryan Kerrigan and I guess I'm kind of asking you to read what the coaches are saying because we haven't had too much ability to judge it with our own two eyes. Yeah, a guy who's proven he can get to the quarterback, and you can't have enough of those. Now, I, I, I you mentioned the stand-up pass rusher role. Uh, he had the thumb injury. We, we really didn't see him practice much after the first week, and we didn't see him much in that role. And I think that is if, if you're looking at, at where they can use him. I would try to see if he can play Sam linebacker for you or take some snaps there because you you have solid depth on the defensive line. They have a hard enough time finding enough snaps, in my opinion, for Graham Sweat and Barnett as it is. Now you throw Kerrigan in the, into the mix. But if you're saying, do I want to play Kerrigan at linebacker and take TJ Edwards off the field and move Alex Singleton over, whatever it may be, that I you know that would make more sense to me. And he's obviously been a stand-up player before. So I think that they, they haven't really shown this yet. In, in part because Kerrigan's been injured, but I'm uh, if I'm reading between the lines, I'm curious to see 
if he can help them in that role. I know he can help you as your fourth defensive end. I just don't know if when you have a player of Ryan Kerrigan's talent, and I, I, I get it, Chris Long was once your fourth defensive end too, but if you have a player of Kerrigan's talent, if it's, if it's better to keep him there or if you can find a different role for him. All right, Zach, last one from me. And before I get to it, I want to say read Zach at The Athletic. Obviously, does a great job with Bo Wolf. Three-time reigning uh, roster right. pole champion. I have to say that. I was in second with Zach Berman and my buddy, Hi. Ed Kratz. But, um, yeah, I'm jealous of Bo. We'll say that. And Shiel <laughs> Kabadi also, yep. yeah, our old friend who does such a great job from a national perspective as well. Um, got to Got to end it with the quarterback one. We could finally call him the quarterback one. They finally acknowledged that. So that's a good thing. You mentioned a little bit about Deshaun Watson. That's been looming. It looks like it's shut down, at least for now. Uh, but here we go. Gardner Minshew's in here uh, two weeks before the start of the regular season. Look, doesn't mean anything early in the season. You can't ramp him up. But let's be honest, Zach. He's more accomplished than Jalen Hurts. I we all know Jalen's personality. He seems to handle things much better than than Carson Wentz did in a similar situation, at least from bringing in a a, a potential talent. At some point, though, is is that self defeating to to constantly just bring in players at that position that could argue, "Hey, man, why shouldn't I be the number one quarterback?" I don't think so. I I, I mean, fundamentally, if you're getting a player like uh, Minshew, you know, with, with what he's done in his first two years for a sixth-round pick, and he's under contract through 2022, that's a no-brainer for you. That, that you know, he's at, at worst, you know, he's your backup quarterback next year. So it makes sense in, in that regard. I, I, I think the organizational investment in Jalen Hurts as a second-round pick and the organizational investment in Minshew, it's, it's considerably different. Um, so they've shown Hertz what they, you know, by investing a second round pick, they've shown Hertz there what they thought of him now. But let me I, jump in real quick, yeah. Zach. The, the investment was different last year as well. And sure. this is what I talk about in a vacuum. You're right. Look, guy with that kind of talent for a six round pick, no brainer. But we've already seen the mental part of it, the human part of it, mm -hmm. uh, where it can affect starting quarterbacks, a lot of teams in this league believe, look, the backup should be there to support the starter and certainly the third stringer. I, I don't know if the Eagles believe that. Is that fair or unfair? No, that look, that is fair. And clearly that was a calculation that the Eagles made last year that did not work out at all, right? Uh, now, Carson Wentz and Jalen Hurts are, are different quarterbacks in different situations. Uh I I would say that Jalen Hurts hasn't yet established himself as the long-term quarterback here. I still think the Eagles want that, you know, the options at that position. I don't think they're viewing Minshew as a guy who can be their franchise quarterback. So I, I don't know if that's legitimate competition for that title, but I, I don't think they're operating as, as if let's, uh, uh, let's not ruffle Jalen Hurts' feathers. Like if anything, um, Jalen Hurts is on a one-year tryout to show that he can be that quarterback. Otherwise the Eagles are, are using their draft picks and their cap space next year to replace him. Um, so the reality is that if, if, if Jalen hurts is worried about Minshew being here, he won't like what could potentially be coming down the pike. Right. And I, I, I think 
Jalen Hurts is, uh, if anything, he's he's dealt with this before, right? I mean, he he, he got replaced at Alabama by Tua, um, and he's he's been in this spot. He is he is competitive. I, I think he understands the way this works. There hasn't been that 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 type of like convincing organizational commitment to Jalen Hurts yet, but I don't know if Jalen Hurts has earned that convincing organizational commitment yet. So I, I, I really think that's that's the big storyline this year is can Jalen Hurts become your guy long-term? All right, Zach, last thing for me uh, will be a statement, and then I need you to tell me, Jody, take the green-colored glasses off, or you got a point there, kid. Um, I actually believe it's advantageous for the Eagles to be on the road here week one. Because Nick Sirianni is coaching in his first game, I don't know that there's a home stadium advantage for a new coach. He is new to him anywhere, can be anywhere on the planet. It's still going to be his first game ever. New, there are things he's going to have to know, hurdles he's going to have to get over. Get the road game out of the way because Eagle fans have been known to second guess before. And if his play calling isn't getting first downs in the first period of the first half, he might actually hear about it from the Eagle fans before the first half is over. I think it's a plus that the Eagles are on the road week one. Too much optimism, too much glass half full guy, or do I actually have a point to make there? Well, all, all things being equal, I, I I would rather be at home than on the road, right? And especially, you know, you you want to start the season 1-0. and There's a difference there, especially – for a, a first-year coach, and you know, watching that Ohio State-Minnesota game last night, you see, you know, the the difference in uh, in a game when the crowd's there. It just it, it just changes the environment. That said, I don't think going down to Atlanta is going to be, um, you know, it, it'll be a good test. But I, it's it's not like starting the season in Kansas City, right? So, uh, yeah, I, I I see the I see the point of of what you're saying, but. Uh, if they lose week one to Atlanta, it's 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 not like the crowd's gonna be more forgiving in week two in Philly. So uh, <laughs> got a point so, there. That's a, that's a, that's very true. Thank yeah, you for in, in that sense, I would there. probably rather start in week one when you're 0-0. Exactly right. Zach Berman, always a pleasure. We appreciate whatever you come on. We will continue to read you week in and week out in the athletic. Uh, tell your compatriots we send our regards so, to them as well. Thank you. Zach Berman of The Athletic here with us on Birds 365. <laughs> All right, Mac and Mac guy, Johnny Mac, Jody Mac. We'll come back. We still got a lot of Eagles conversation to go here on this Friday edition of Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job. A personal injury from someone else's negligence. Turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. 
Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We are your Mega Mac guys. John McMullen and Jody McDonald here with John. Birds 365 getting geared up for the start of another National Football League season. The Philadelphia Eagles 2021. Zach Berman did a good job of giving us some background info leading up to next Sunday when they get it going underway <laughs> in Atlanta. Uh, John, let me get this point out of the way and then we'll, we'll go back to talking about the Eagles roster and where Nick Sirianni is at and Jalen Hurts' position as the QB1. I'm going to make this next statement with tongue fairly well implanted in cheek. Not 100%, but fairly well implanted in cheek. You know, it's starting to get under my skin, getting on my nerves a little bit. A former Eagle Super Bowl hero. Do you know to whom I refer? Uh, I thought you were going to say Carson Wentz before no. the Super Bowl hero part. No. So I'm going to go Corey, Car- Clement. Car- Corey, Corey, Corey uh, Clement. Carson Wentz, good suggestion because he's getting under my skin too. But no, the one I was specifically referring to was, yes, Corey, Corey Clement. Clement. What, do, what do you want Corey to do? Corey's trying to get a job in the NFL. I think people don't understand. Look, if the Cowboys pick up the phone and you're an unemployed NFL player, you're going to go play for the Cowboys. I was – Look, I tell everybody, I was a huge Reggie Jackson fan when I was uh, a, a, a young person. I'm, I'm a Yankees guy. I tell everybody. I, everybody should know this who listens to me. Um, if the Boston Red Sox called me up and I was a Major League Baseball player, I'm going to play for the Red Sox. I grew up. <laughs> I'm going, you know, I mean, that's that's how it works, professional sports. Doesn't mean Corey Clement doesn't like the Eagles. Doesn't He's got a chance to have a job. He's going to take it. That's why I said tongue implanted in cheek, because I know that that's the case, what you just stated. What do we want me to Corey Clement to yeah. go home and uh, sit by the window oh, and yeah. just uh, watch the world pass by? No, he's a football player, still wants to play football, and if a team is going to give him an offer on a job, he's going to take it. But he's got to go from here to the Giants 
and then doesn't make with the Giants. And no sooner is he released by the Giants, all of a sudden he's a Dallas Cowboy. When is he going to play for the Washington yeah. football team? Well, is nobody complained next? that nobody complained about Clayton Thorson because Clayton Thorson he can't went play. To, he was a Super Bowl yeah, hero. Corey true. Clement is a Super Bowl hero. But, hey, it, you know, then the Eagles should have kept him. If that meant something, and you know, they should have kept Corey Clement. Corey wants to play. Corey's going to play, hopefully. Uh, South Jersey kid as well. So that makes it uh, even. I'm sure he'd rather play for the Eagles, but that's not an option. So if you want to play in the NFL, you got to go with somebody who offers you the job. And hey, as I said, you know, you leave the <laughs> you leave that that the the kid things for kids. I mean, if you're an adult, it's a professional sport. You're going to get cut by a team. You're not going to get signed by a team. You still got a window to play. Uh, you got to go where. Somebody wants you. And if that's the Dallas Cowboys, it's the Dallas Cowboys. Right. And uh, the, the thing that kind of rubs salt in the wounds is Corey Clement is one of those guys who admitted that even though he's a South Jersey kid, he kind of liked the Cowboys and he kind of rooted for the Cowboys growing up as a kid. And uh, he's going to get a chance to put the star in his helmet, uh, which is a little tough to take if you're an Eagle fan because he was uh, a part of the biggest day of Philadelphia Eagles history, I'll say ever. Uh, I, I don't want to take anything away from the championships that were won before I was born, but certainly my lifetime and uh, my 30 plus years here in Philadelphia, uh, the Super Bowl will always be the number one day in Eagles history. And Clement had a big hand in on that. Uh, I guess uh, we will see him. They got one more episode of Hard Knocks, right? I just, I, I just I watched where they are. this week's episode yesterday, which is. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Airs first. On Tuesday nights, I think it was. I've been busy at nights this week, so I didn't get a chance. I watched it yesterday on uh, on demand. And I, I got to say this. I've always given Jerry Jones a lot of credit because he is one of the best promoters I've ever seen in sports, not just in the last two, five, ten years. Since ever. Bill Vec was a very well-known baseball promoter and a guy who was uh, put the Chicago White Sox on the map. Uh, Jerry Jones has done that for the Dallas Cowboys. He has done better promotional work for his team and raised the value of his team more than any other professional owner that that I've ever seen. This has been a boring, a really boring hard knocks this year. I I don't know that it's... I think it's been boring for a couple years. I think, you know, it's like everything else in the NFL. When it first started, it was great because... You know, fans got to see a little bit behind the scenes. It was too revealing. And coaches saw it and said, I don't want any part of that. We talked about the rule. They got to force people to to get involved. It's everything in the NFL. It's Everything is secretive. And anything taking the, the curtain back, they don't like. So it gets more uh, – uh, it, gets, it gets boring. It gets boring because they don't show you as much. They don't give you as much. And it's not interesting. Um, 
and that's why people have criticized the show to begin with and said, uh, it's kind of jumped the shark anyway. I, yeah, I think, but I think that happened probably four or five years ago, to be honest, Jody. Mm, yeah, see, I thought it was still okay. Um, last year wasn't great when they tried to do two teams, but the Raiders were, here's why the Raiders were good. Because they had colorful characters. John Gruden is a colorful character. Like him, hate him, doesn't matter. You got to admit that John well, Gruden is helpful, a colorful yeah. character. Like, if you followed Gardner Minshew around with a camera, you'd have some fun. Um, so it's it's always good when you have a colorful, colorful, colorful person, as you mentioned. Yeah, that helps. I mean, if somebody's got a big personality – they got a big personality and they're going to show off and that's going to be entertaining versus, but I mean, from a football standpoint, they want to hide everything. They want to hide everything. They act like they're, you know, CIA level intelligence. Oh, the Atlanta Falcons. We can't show the Atlanta Falcons anything. And by the way, the, you know, the Falcons are the, I'm not picking on the Eagles. Falcons. Are, we can't show the Eagles anything. Uh, clutching their pearls. How could we, prepare for week one if the Eagles read about the third team tight end in the Philadelphia Inquirer. That's how these teams think. It's it's astonishing at, at, at a certain level. And and they know, the, the worst part, Jody, is they know what it comes down to on game day. They'll tell you it comes down to execution, comes down to all those types of things. And yet, during the week, they'll say, oh, Oh, did Zach Berman report that uh, Jack Driscoll's on injured reserve before Jack Driscoll got the injured reserve? How are we going to overcome that? The really, really dumb stuff, Jody. Really dumb stuff. And, and it, I, it, it's kind of amazing. I, and, and I understand paranoia runs deep in the National Football League and the Eagles are just one of those teams. I don't want to say that they're more paranoid than than. No, any they're the same as everybody else. Same as everybody else agreed. No, it's it's not that. The Cowboys are a boring football team with no personality. Well, Ezekiel, that might be true as well. Ezekiel Elliott is just a stone-cold goofball. I don't know what Ezekiel Elliott is all about. Dak Prescott is boring. He's a boring personality. He's got no personality. They tried to make uh, Mari Cooper interesting this week. You want to talk about boring. Oh, my God, wet paint drying is more exciting than Amari Cooper. Now, he's a good player, but he's got zero personality. Mike McCarthy, who I've been a fan of last year when he was out there on the open market, I was open the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 fired Adam Gates and grabbed Mike McCarthy when he was available. They chose not oh, to. Yeah, okay, he's, fine. He's boring. He's boring, and I don't think he's all that good a coach either. That's one thing that should buoy Eagle fans, at least for me. And I know the outcome of preseason games, who wins, who loses, um, basically irrelevant in the preseason. The Cowboys have not opened my eyes a little bit. And this is uh, hard knocks aside. I, I watched a couple of Cowboy games every year on uh, the, the NFL Network after the fact. They, they're they not good. The Cowboys aren't going to be that much better this year. They'll be better just because Dak but is you know, back. I, I'll even throw that into the mix of the same thing. It's become this corporate environment in the NFL. They don't want big personalities. They don't like big personalities. Now, they accept them if the player is really good and really successful. Well, let's be honest, Jody. 
Let's go back. Ken Stabler. You think he'd go over well in today's NFL? The way Ken Stabler go well, well on hard knocks. It, it would go well on hard knocks. Um, even Brett Favre, you don't have to go back that far. I mean, it, it, they don't want that. They want to look at how Jalen Hurts acts. Jalen Hurts is Mr. Steady Pulse. I call him all the time. I mean, he is just a straight line. You think he's got a big personality? Now, maybe he shows it behind the scenes, and I think he does. But if he were on hard knocks, you'd be saying the same thing about Jalen Hurts because that's what they want. That's what they want, and they try to turn these guys. I don't know if you want to call them robots or not, but that's they don't want any outside the lines. They don't want any coloring outside the lines. They want by-the-book corporate structure straight ahead. They don't yeah. want that. Let, let me ask you, because you know better, because you get a chance to interview these guys every once in a while. Um, John Q. Public guys like myself. And yeah, I know I have a little more access. I, I don't use it the way you do, um, more than just a regular Eagle fan does. But And that's uh, my issue. Who does have a big personality on the Philadelphia? Brandon field? Graham. That's Brandon true. Graham. Uh, and, and the Eagles probably hate it. But, you know, <laughs> Brandon just, you know. But the first thing, you know, Fletcher Cox did that thing a couple weeks ago where he ignored Jeff McClain's questions. Um, you know, Lord knows why it didn't make any sense. But, you know, Brandon Graham got up the next day. He's cracking jokes about it. He's cracking jokes. Uh, 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 you know, he's just he's sort of grandfathered in to the old system. Like he, he says whatever he wants to do. He's, he's got this huge personality, um, obviously, but he does it in a positive way. He does it in a positive fashion. He's having fun with everybody. He's joking around, man, who else? Um, Lane Johnson, uh, Lane will say whatever the hell he wants. Uh, whatever Kelsey, very few though. None of, the young, none of the young guys. None Both of those young. guys you're bringing up are. They six, are coming seven, into eight, the nine, structure, man. That's, that's, you know, that's depressing because the young guys are coming in to this new structure of what you're talking about a little bit with hard knocks. They're coming into this. They're being taught, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Now, some guys are just so out there that they don't listen but that's not what they want. And it's kind of depressing. It is, because I'm such a big fan of Hard Knocks. I thought it was groundbreaking television oh, it was. when it first uh, hit the ground running. And yes, up until a couple of years ago when they had the Raiders, last year, I, I and maybe this is why my evaluation this year bothers me as much as it does, I cut them a lot of stock last year because just like everything else in the world in 2020, we're dealing with a pandemic. So they're trying to do a uh, behind-the-scenes show in a pandemic atmosphere, which I think was an unbelievable difficult task for them to try and pull off. And they didn't really hit the ball out of the park. But I wrote it off to the pandemic rather than maybe the whole concept of it is getting old. Maybe as John McMullen is pointing out to me, that's the way of the NFL anymore. If you've got a guy with a personality... Keep him under wraps as best you can. Don't let him out in front of a camera. Don't let him say anything. 
stay as corporate as possible. I was hoping that that's not the case, but that is what I've seen here uh, with the Cowboys so far. And yeah, the Eagles are not chock full of personality either. Maybe that's one of the reasons why we got like Sirianni. At least yeah. he takes a shot every once in a while to put a little personality it down. Into. Yeah. You know, and they probably tell him. Yeah. I mean, we talked about Gardner Minshew is another guy. You, you're going to see that um, at some point. He let it show a few times in his introductory presser. But let me interrupt you. Um, when are you going to get Gardner Minshew again? Uh, in the COVID not, world in which we live, you can't just go up to a guy's locker where you have to request. Not, not, until, not until he plays. Right. So we may never find out how how, how big a personality Gardner oh, Minshew is. You guys had him for what the other day? 20 minutes? Uh, yeah, about 20, I, not even, probably 10, 15. Yeah, and that's um, it. He, he may go into bubble wrap from the media again. Oh, because, he will. Yeah, how that, often do you talk to the third-string quarterback? Yeah, but that's that's normal. Uh, but I think we're going to hear from him again. Really? When and how? <laughs> Well, well, when you can figure out on your own. I'll just say my prediction is we're going to hear from him again. That's my prediction at some point this season. All we're right. Gonna I, we're going to hear. Did you and I do this, or did I do this on uh, my radio show with somebody else? I don't remember. Um, if we agree that at some point this year, Gardner Minshew is probably going to become the number two quarterback of this team, assuming Jalen Hurts' health. And that he's good to go. He's uh, the starter uh, through the first 10. We won't even uh, we'll get uh, – uh, don't, don't want to jinx it by going. He'll be there every six, every game, 60. What, what's uh, – who is your uh, 100% uh, assuredness of uh, injury in the National Football League? Is that an Ertzism? That is Zach, an Ertzism, yeah. Zach Ertz says that. Uh, so to think that uh, Jalen Hurts will never have to come off the field this year is probably a little overly optimistic. But for the – uh, basis of this point and conversation. He plays the first 10 games. Are the Eagles going to dress three quarterbacks week one, week four, week seven? How are we going to know if uh, it's not that Gardner Minshew is uh, going to be uh, the address quarterback and Joe, uh, Joe Flacco isn't? How are we going to know when he gets to number two on the depth chart? Uh, unless Nick Sirianni admits it, we're not going to know. I mean, we can actually, we can tell in, even in the short area of practice, we get to see, you know, if he starts taking the second team reps, uh, that's a clear indication. I don't think that's going to happen by the way. I I've said pretty consistently, but Joe Flacco is Joe Flacco. I talk about the difference between, um, you know, to use Zach's term demonstrated performance. Uh, between Gardner Minshew and Jalen Hurts, well, Joe Flacco's demonstrated performance trumps them both by a power of 10. Um, they brought him in to be the backup. I think he's going to be the backup quarterback. Um, I think the 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 curveball is if Jalen Hurts has a significant injury and is going to be out for a significant period of time, I think then you rethink things and say, okay, do we want to go forward with Joe for the rest of the season? Do we want to go forward with Gardner? I think that makes them um, rethink things. But if he sprains his ankle in the second quarter, it's going to be Joe Flacco. Um, 
if he's out for a week or two, it's going to be Joe Flacco. Um, I think only a long-term injury or a benching um, changes uh, that thought process. I, I didn't think you were going to go there, but since you did, let's follow it up. Benching? How bad is Jalen Hurts going to have to be for there to be a benching? Now, once again, I'll again. Well, I, we got to go feel- back to Bob Groats. Yeah, uh, you know what I was trying to get out of Zach. He didn't. He didn't agree with 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 my standpoint uh, as much as I thought he would. And and he kept saying Jalen Hurts, and that's the prevailing wisdom. Jalen Hurts has a year to prove himself to the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't. I think that's changed now. I thought he had a year. Now he's got a week, six games, probably six games, not a week. Sorry, I was going to say a month. Probably six games. I would. I would put it at. If the Eagles are one and five in six games, oh, he's out. He's out. Just because if, they got their hands on Minshew. Yeah. He. He. he he's. Yeah. They're going to look at Minshew. And and they're going to try to figure out what they have uh, moving forward. And ultimately, neither is the answer. By the way, the 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 true answer would be the Sam Howells of the world, or the Spencer Rattlers of the world, or Deshaun Watson. But Deshaun what doesn't want to play here. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think Minshew acquiring Minshew changes the the time frame. Look, if he's two and four. If he's three and three, he's going to be the starter. I mean, he's got to completely fall flat on the space. But I think that is is still, if you're Bob Groats territory, if your glass is half empty guy, if he's 0 and 6 or 1 and 5, yeah, he's out. He's out. This team benched the guy they paid $140 million. I mean, yeah, they're not going to accept that. That, that, that time frame has changed a little bit. And by the way, for all the people that are going to get upset, I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think you have to be realistic and honest. If he falls on his face, if he shits the bed, because we can curse here, yeah, he's going to get benched because they have another option now that they didn't have before. That That is what I'm trying to say. I hear what you're trying to say. And oh, by the way, I thought... Dougie P was a little slow to pull in the plug on Carson Wentz last year, even with the massive amounts of money that they had lavished their starting quarterback 2020. Hindsight, I can say that. I can I know I can say it because if you listen to me last year before Birds 365 ever came around on the radio here in Philadelphia, I was saying, All right, I've reached my point. He, he's over my limit. I would pull the plug on Carson Wentz a week before Doug Peterson did. So uh, it isn't just the fact that uh, I'm looking to uh, take Jalen Hurts is back here. You got a point, John. I think Gardner Minshew does change the perspective a little bit, which brings us back to a question I screwed up the other day. Remember, we had a great question on the stream right before we wrapped up a Birds 365, and I said, we're going to talk about this first thing tomorrow. We never did. So why don't we do it now? We'll come back. We're going to take a break here, and then we'll continue in continue on with the conversation about the quarterback position for 2021 with the Philadelphia Eagles right here on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. 
a catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence, turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz & Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz & Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Appreciate all of you, those of you tuning in to Bird 365 Live. You know, a whole bunch of you guys go back and watch it afterwards. If you're watching it after the fact now, I don't know, uh, 7.22 p.m. We appreciate you tuning in now. We did this hours ago. Uh, McMullen <laughs> and McDonald hanging out with you. Get ready for Eagles football. Yes, we still got over a week to go, but it's getting close. Starting to be able to feel it. Starting to be able to taste it. Uh, Zach Berman was on with us earlier and did a uh, standout job like he always does. The one thing, and we'll get to the Hurts conversation, but you mentioned Zach uh, didn't quite agree with your position on uh, the quarterback and where the Eagles were at going forward. He kind of poo-pooed one of my ideas, which he's probably right about, but no, nobody likes to have their idea poo-pooed. Um, you and I are both big Tyree Jackson fans. We've been damn close to wowed by what the guy flashed during preseason and very bummed that we didn't get a chance to see that much more because he got injured and the Eagles didn't attempt to get him through uh, waivers. Uh, we talked a lot this last week and change about 
Ooh, can you get him through? Will somebody claim him? And uh, some people overemphasize. How many players were picked up on waivers again, John, for the entire league? 32 teams. How many guys were claimed on waivers? Well, 27, the 27. original. Now it happens, you know, it continues every day. People get put on waivers. But, but the original cut down, uh, 27 from that. So from the big 80 to 53 move, the final number was 27. 27 for 32 teams. So we're talking about this percentage-wise. But even that being said, the Eagles did not want to take the chance with Tyree Jackson. They did not put him through. They kept him on the uh, 53 and then rightfully yesterday moved him to injured reserve, which we all knew was coming. He does. You and I were just talking about the fact that Gardner Minshew, has changed the way, in your belief, and I kind of agree with you, changed the way the Eagles look at the quarterback position for the entire year, that he becomes a factor. His acquisition, he comes in, he's a factor. He could move up to number two on the depth chart if um, Jalen Hurts should fall flat on his face, which neither one of us believe is going to happen, but we have to at least uh, inspect the possibility that Gardner Minshew may move the timetable some. I kind of feel that way about Tyree Jackson. Now, the injury may have completely put a kibosh on it. Uh, I might be talking hypothetical here. If he had continued to play, if he had continued to open up eyes, maybe they would change their perspective on which of the tight ends are they actually going to try and keep going forward. Is it a guarantee that it's going to be Dallas Goddard, even though they tried to get an extension done and they couldn't? Or could the reuniting with Zach Ertz bring on a contract extension for Ertz. I think Jackson's continued development could actually have a little bit of a factor in how the way that they uh, look at the tight end position. Well, Zach, I'm going to go. Yeah. I'm going to agree with Zach on this one. You're this dismissing reason. me out my, of hand too. Well, no, my, my comparison, I, I don't think it's, I, I, my comparison would be Jordan Mailata with Tyree Jackson in that I think he's a multi-year project, but I think he's got such uh, a high ceiling as a player. You value keeping him on the roster, not risking losing him, understanding it's going to take a few years. I mean, this, this is a guy playing quarterback and he turns to tight end. He showed this unbelievable natural ability to catch the football natural route running ability uh but he's still tremendously raw i actually asked zach Ertz about tyree because look zach might be the best tight end in football when it comes to route running um and he thought you know he showed up and he'd be having all these problems and he said Look, he's way ahead of where anybody thought he would be, and it's pretty amazing. But it's still going to take some time to to learn all the intricacies of the position. So I think the Mylotta uh, path is maybe a little bit quicker than Mylotta because Tyree has a tremendous knowledge of the game. He's been playing it his entire life, whereas Jordan picked it up from scratch. So that part he doesn't have to go through. But – uh, just learning a new position at the professional level and all the intricacies. I think it's a multi-year thing. I don't think it's a week nine thing and he's going to start exploding. But, you know, from an athleticism standpoint, if you want to throw him out there when he's healthy and you want to scheme something up and 
the coaching staff does a good job of that. He could make a play or two just because he's so athletic. I just don't know if he could handle the play-to-play grind of the position. I think that was it's going to take a couple years. But the Eagles value him so much they kept him on the back end of the roster. That's a fair way to look at it. All right, uh, back to the quarterback position. And we were, again, talking about this at the tail end of one of the shows earlier this week on Birds 365, and I meant to get back to it, and we didn't, so we'll do it here for our, our final half hour today. The starting quarterback position in 2022 for the Philadelphia Eagles could very well be Jalen Hurts. It could be someone who's playing elsewhere in the National Football League this year. It could be someone on a National Football League roster who's not playing this year. Yeah, read into that, uh, the Houston Texans. Um, it could be someone who's playing in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It could be someone who's playing in Norman, Oklahoma. We know the possibility of using a first-round draft pick on a quarterback. Could that person, who's the Eagles' 2022 quarterback, be playing on the Philadelphia Eagles this year and not be named Jalen Hurts? No, no. Gardner Minshew's no. got no chance to be the starting quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles opening day 2020. Well, I've learned I'm going to put that at 2%. Two? Uh, uh, they, you, you never say never because if they're not able – look, if Jalen Hurts falters um, and Gardner takes over this team, I, I, I don't think you know people can look at the statistics and they have. I don't think Gardner Minshew's a starting quarterback in the NFL. I think you, you got to scheme him up. I, I don't think the arm strength is there. He's got some movement skills. Um, I think the more he plays, the more he gets exposed to opposing defenses who figured out who figure out, okay, he can't make this throw. Let's let's be aware of what he can do. Uh, and it becomes more difficult for him the more he plays. Uh, I don't think I think he's a good backup. I think he's a really good backup. Now Gardner wouldn't agree with that. Gardner thinks he's he's Brett Favre, mm. but um, and he, and he should. By the way, you should have confidence in yourself. Um, but ultimately, I think the Eagles don't view him as a starting quarterback. So if Jalen Hurts faltered and Gardner Minshew had to finish the year or something of that nature, yeah, they're after Sam Howell. They're after Spencer Rattler. They're after whomever you know, is available uh, in the draft. And that would be the long-term answer. Um, from Jalen's perspective, and that's the question we got the other day, if they do finish eight and nine, that's the number we both thrown out there. Can Jalen Hurts be the starter in 2022? That's more contextual, I think. You know, I don't think it has anything to do with stats. I don't think it has anything to do with pass or rating, anything to do with, 800 yards rushing and 30 touchdown passes. I think that's all fantasy football nonsense. How does he impact the game? How does he impact the game? Are they eight and nine because of Jalen Hurts? Or are they eight and nine despite Jalen Hurts? Is he making plays to win games? Is he staying away from mistakes? Um, or is the offensive line carrying this team? Is the defensive line carrying this team? So I think it's far more contextual. However, if you tell me, you know, push comes to shove, you know, eight and nine, is he going to be the starting quarterback? I think the Eagles will want better than that. Uh, now, it, again, if we have all these injuries on the offensive line again, 
And, you know, Brett Toth, as much as I like and respect him, he's not Lane Johnson. Nate Herbig's not uh, uh, Brandon Brooks. Um, you know, if they have all these injuries and Fletcher Cox is not there and he elevates a four-win team probably that should have to eight games, then it's a different conversation. Is he elevating the players around? I like your point about it being contextual. Uh, I think you were overly dismissive of statistics. Oh, I'm dismissive of them. Yeah, right. I I don't <laughs> think you can. But you have to have you have to have something to tie it to above and beyond. Because I say so. Yeah, it, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry. You just have to have something in addition to. If you want to bring, but then Gardner so into it, that Gardner Mitchell would and be I the, think you should. But you have to look at something. And we've already said eight and nine is the one loss. Here's where contextual comes into. You could be eight and nine and be really good and impressive at the quarterback position. You could be eight and nine and they could be eight and nine, despite the way you play the quarterback position. So you're right about there's got to be context to it. But I don't think you can just dismiss statistics, and especially well, here's for today's conversation. If, if, if. If we're going to take statistics as as some kind of valuable metric and pointing out, guess who the starting quarterback is here? Well, you better be getting Gardner Minshew ready uh, because his statistics are pretty stinking impressive. As I would better than Joe Montana's. So, um, yeah, he's not as good as Jalen Hurts. Can I prove that statistically? No, no, I can't. But, yeah, but even Hertz hasn't. What we will have with Hertz, half of the season in, we'll have uh, a, a bigger body of work to judge. Part of not being able to judge Jalen Hertz is the fact that the body of work is so small, and it came in an abrupt fashion. That Jalen Hertz probably didn't even think had a chance of happening last year. This year, it's a different story. He comes in. He's the starting quarterback day one, gets every single rep with the first team, all lead up to the season long. Uh, so I think you even have to view that differently than what Jalen Hurts did last year. But let's talk about this year's numbers and what they need to be. Uh, again, uh, you and I have our stances on metrics and analytics and everything else. Quarterback rating is the best of a bad lot of ways to statistically judge a quarterback. There can be so much nuance and conceptualism of uh, reading into stats and the like. There's no perfect way to use stats to determine how good a guy is playing. But all of all the imperfect stats, I believe quarterback rating is the best. Last well, you're year, talking about NFL. ESPN's quarterback. No, because this, uh, this is one of this is this is one of my ESPN's quarterback ratings is to use a word you just used uh, previously. Bullshit. It's complete right. and utter well, bullshit this is because there's because subjectiveness to it. I'm looking at just a raw well, number. Give me a raw number, saying. and it's, then I'll factor into it the way I want I'm, to factor. I'm going to defend Jalen Hurts here because it's not quarterback rating. One of my pet peeves. It's passer rating. It doesn't take into account uh, a, a mobile quarterback's ability to do other things. It's a passer rating. So it only takes into account one aspect of it. But I but I go back to Gardner Minshew. Now, look, if Jeff, I don't think this is going to happen, but we'll use half a season. Um, if, if Jalen Hurts has a passer rating of 95.9, and is completing 66% of his passes, 
I'll be stinking impressed. But I, I'll tell you this. If he's at eight games and he doesn't have a 95.9% passer rating, and he isn't completing 66% of his passes, I'll still tell you he's got a better upside and he's a better player than Gardner Minshew. That's kind of my point of why I don't value just black and white statistics. I mean, it, you know, Jacksonville's, A, they're losing games, they're throwing dump-offs, they're throwing little screens, they're throwing things that Gardner can do well, they're getting them out of his pocket, they're moving the things, they're often behind, as you pointed out, so it's easier to throw the football. There's all these little tweaks and things. And, look, Jalen's just better, I I think. I think, personally. He's never going to show it statistically. Never going to show it statistically. I think one of the telltale things about Gardner Minshew last year with the Jaguars is, yes, he had a 95.9 rating, which had him ranked number 16, which is that right (laughs) dead in the middle of the NFL, 32 starting quarterback. He was 16. Who was 15th with a 95.9 rating? Baker Mayfield, who got the Browns into the playoffs and won a playoff game Whereas Gardner Minshew and his team were one and fifteen, yet they had the exact same quarterback rating. That tells you that it is an imperfect science. But if we have to have something to base the conversation on, yeah, I think that's the number. Ninety-five. He need to. He needs to be in the ninety-five range. Now, you made an excellent point. He's ninety-five with a bullet because he's going to make plays with his legs. That ranking rating number that we're throwing out is purely about ability to throw the football. There's more to it in the National Football League if you can make plays with your legs. Uh, what was Lamar Jackson? He was 11th at 99.3. Oh, but then you factor in everything that Lamar does with his legs, and it makes him that much. He's not the 11th best quarterback in football. He's much better than that because he's got added value in other ways, and I surely believe that Jalen Hurts will provide that for the Eagles this year. But, yeah, he's going to need to do about a 95. Somewhere thereabouts, Johnny Mac. If there, yeah, there's, the there's the a road. possibility I, that the I, – I, I always point out because, you know, baseball is a better indication of this because numbers are so historic in baseball, or they were. You know, 714 was the number for years and years and years, and 500 home runs and 3,000 hits, and you're a Hall of Famer if you hit these numbers. Um, I always, you know, I always point out, I've mentioned on this show, when Joe Montana retired, that number stuck with me, 92.3. It still sticks with me, 92.3. He retired with the best passer rating in NFL history. It is now, as you just pointed out, Gardner Minshew is 95.9 and is 16th in the NFL. It is meaningless, Jody. It is meaningless, and that's why I mean it's meaningless Uh, because I don't think anybody is going to say Gardner Minshew even belongs in a conversation in the same sentence with Joe Montana. But that's where we are in the modern professional world uh, with, with, with these numbers and how the game is skewed. Now, I get what you're saying. It's comparable to other players, but if you have a different skill set, and obviously you know, Jalen Hurts is more about mobility. Uh, Jalen Hurts is going to be more of an RPO, I think, type quarterback. Um, and the Eagles are going to rely more on his running skills. 
if you can tell me how that correlates to Gardner Minshew's 95.9, I'll listen. I'll listen to the Ryan uh, Paganetti's of the world if he's got some kind of number that takes everything into it. But I know from watching them, I'd rather have Jalen Hurts than Gardner Minshew starting quarterback. I'd rather have a bunch of other quarterbacks than both of them. But, you know, I can't prove that statistically. So when people, I don't know, Eagles fans who get all angry at me for saying I'm not certain on Jalen Hurts, I'm telling them I think he's a better quarterback than Gardner Minshew. I can't prove it statistically. There's no way. I can't do it. Understood. And I I think you said that quarterback rating ranking, there's rating and there's ranking. Uh, meaningless, I disagree there. I think there is meaning to it. Comparing Gardner Minshew to Joe Montana is meaningless because the game has changed so drastically. I'm just comparing Jalen Hurts to numbers of math in the National Football League six months ago, seven months ago, whatever it was when the season ended. That I think you could do. That I think you do, can derive information from. But all right, well, 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 let's do that then. Uh, let's look at passer rating. Do you have them uh, pop? Uh, in the league, I have them right in front of me right now. All yes. right, give me give me 16 through 20. If if What was Gardner, 16? He give was me 17 16, through yes. 21. Give me 17 through 20. 17 through 21 were... Ryan Fitzpatrick, the new quarterback of the Washington football team, 95-6. Again, Gardner and Baker Mayfield both at 95-9. 18 was Kyler Murray, who's another one, like Lamar Jackson. You have to factor in what he does with his legs. He was the 18th-ranked quarterback in quarterback rating. Oh, I think he's better than the 18th quarterback in the NFL. So, again, you must contextualize it. Ben Roethlisberger, 94.1. Believe it or not, you know who is 20th with 95.3? Mitch Trubisky, <laughs> who was ahead of at 93.3, the quarterback at 21 that the Eagles will face opening week. Matt Ryan took a step I, I, I was going to bet that I would take any of those quarterbacks over Gardner Minshew, but Mitch Trubisky threw that out the window. By the way, yeah, Jalen Hurts, you better get the 95 if Mitch Trubisky can get the 95. That, that's why 90, I don't 93.5 for Mitch. Oh, don't, don't overstate his accomplishment. Right, well, he better get the 93.5. That's why I don't value it, Jody. I, I mean, it, 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 is, it is one of the worst statistics ever compiled in the history of sports. Um, it, it, it's this complicated formula. It's, it's non. it's, it was always nonsensical, but even more so today when, when you have these outrageous numbers and everybody from Mitch Trubisky, and that's why there's some, by the way, that's why there's some concern with Jalen Hurts, even though there was a small sample size, because when you only complete 52% of your passes, when your passer rating was what it was, it's easy to be your night. Mitch Trubisky's at 93.5. That's the concern. That's, that's what we're basing the concerns on. Like you got to get the 90 in this league. You got to throw for, if you throw for 60% completion rate in the, in the modern NFL, that's terrible. That's terrible. Right. And he was at 52. Here's the reason why I do put a value on the quarterback rating. 
taking last year's numbers, ratings, and rankings. Aaron Rodgers, number one in the NFL. Guess what? He was the MVP. Guess what? He was the best regular season quarterback in the National Football League. If it was out of whack or ridiculous or didn't hold value, then Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be the runaway winner of a category like that. Deshaun Watson, there's a reason why the Eagles are still keeping their ears open, was number two at 112.14. That Mahomes <laughs> well, guy well, well. was number three. At uh, 108, and Josh Allen, who was an MVP candidate, was number four. Well, yeah, they got all the best guys in the top four slots. So, yeah, so but, but, they, but, that that proves to you that it does work when you're looking to use yeah, it as it, an evaluation no, tool you, of quarterbacks it, in the National Football League. What it tells you is they is is they have great passing numbers. That's what it tells you. It tells you, and you're right. Aaron Rodgers is the best pure passer in the NFL. Um, certainly, uh, Patrick Mahomes, uh, is certainly up there. Uh, and Josh Allen had a huge year. Deshaun Watson had a huge statistical year. Um, what it doesn't tell you is, is, is those guys in, in, in the middle of the road, those guys in the range of 10 to 15 to 20, it doesn't give you the context of what separates those guys. It doesn't give you the context of why, um, Kyler Murray, a player you like, is better than Mitch Trubisky or or Gardner Minshew. It doesn't give you that context. It's never going to give you that context. It's never going to give you why Lamar Jackson is so difficult to deal with uh, that a defensive coordinator is going to tell you. And and from talking to coaches all years over so many defensive coaches over the years, they don't give a rat's ass about that stuff. They really don't. I mean, they know Aaron Rodgers is good. They know they're in for a pain in the ass that that afternoon. They don't need some manufactured number to tell them that Aaron Rodgers is great. They don't need them. Uh, they don't need a manufactured number to tell them they're going to have their hands full with Lamar Jackson for different reasons than what tells you on that black and white piece of paper. And just like I don't need that number to tell me that Jalen Hurts has got a bigger upside than Gardner Minshew, even though that number probably tells me something differently. I, I don't need it. Do you know who might need that number, John? And he becomes a little bit of a player in this conversation we're having. You probably heard of him. Uh, Jeff Laurie, owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. He don't need that number. And, he wants and analytics king. Uh, oh, I, I think he'll do all the number crunching of uh, quarterbacks. Certainly and quarterback not that ratings. number. Certainly not. We'll get Ryan back on the show, Ryan Paganetti. <clears throat> they don't deal with numbers that you and I deal with. That's not what Jeffrey Lurie wants. He wants advanced numbers. He wants, as Joe Banner would always say, you know, give me information, give me data, but give me actionable information. Give me stuff that helps me have an advantage over, you know, the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys. Everybody could look up passer rating, and that's not the numbers they want. That's not the numbers they're looking at. And again, if it was, they wouldn't be moving forward with Jalen Hurts. They wouldn't even give Jalen Hurts an opportunity if that was the type of number they were looking at. Well, they're looking what, at what other do you think, things. What do you think the actionable information was that told the Philadelphia Eagles to use the second round draft pick on Jalen Hurts? Well, that is is about 
personnel evaluation. They thought he was uh, a, a, a had a chance to develop. Remember, the Eagles' plan with Jalen Hurts was to get a cost-effective backup. I say this all the time. They were still all in on Carson Wentz at the time. They wanted a cost-effective backup because they valued the position so much. Then by year three, they were hoping Jalen would play so well in the preseason, things like that, they could spin him off for a draft pick, and then you start the process over again. That was the original plan. Certainly, they liked him as a player. Uh, that is more the personnel aspect of it. Uh, you know, you evaluate players. So the, the First round, second round, third counts, round. Which means actionable information. So I once again ask the question, what was it that Jalen Hurts, what what numbers, what analytics do you think he put up on the collegiate level that made them uh, say we could use a second-round pick for him for whatever purposes? Yeah, well, and I think I'll, you laid I'll him out pretty this. well. If, 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 if you think the Eagles drafted Jalen Hurts because of his numbers in college, yeah, I'm going to disagree with you. I mean, yeah, he was the runner-up in the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he had great numbers at Oklahoma. Uh, his final season, you don't draft players on numbers. If you did that, you know, who was uh, on, I can't remember his name, the kid, and I feel bad, he ultimately committed suicide. He played at Hawaii um, or he overdosed. I don't want to say he committed suicide. Um, he was really high in the Heisman Trophy balloting the one year. Uh, Cole Brennan. Know. Cole Brennan. Oh, okay. Um, Look at Cole Brennan's college numbers. I yeah, mean, is it number, what, what, stat, major stats compiler. Yes. I mean, I, 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 that's not what people. I'm. I'm. Yeah, I'm but just you being would tell me the Eagles have these advanced metrics that you and I don't know or you and I don't get that they uh, lean on that they well, have. They do. Well, then what? I don't know what they are. They don't share with me at either uh, Alabama or Oklahoma that uh, caught the attention of the Eagles that they said. Hey, let's extrapolate here. Go down the road of inexpensive oh, backup quarterback that we clear. can spin off at some point to get our draft pick back, if not more than that. Let me make this very clear. I don't think they drafted Jalen Hurts or any player because of college statistics. I mean, that's just not how it works. You evaluate the player. You project how you think he's going to fit into your program, into the NFL. They didn't draft Devontae Smith because he had great statistics. They drafted Devontae Smith because they think he's a great player who played on a great team that happened to have great statistics. That's not how it's done. I mean, nobody looks at statistics and says, oh, I'm going to take this guy. And, and that's why I brought up Brennan. Uh, there, are, there are guys like that every year that play at lesser, you know, colleges lesser competition lesser levels that's that's what makes it hard you have to figure out how to put that into context how to put that one of the things you know people talk about Travis Fulgham you know one of the issues with him coming out of Old Dominion they said why is this guy not dominating you know he's playing at this level he's this size he's this talented you saw what he was able to do over a month uh in the NFL why is he not consistently showing up from week to week to week to week? And even his old, old Dominion coach said that, um, you know, he'd be there one week. He wouldn't be there another week. This stuff's hard, man. You just don't look at numbers and say, oh, this guy's good. I mean, that's just not how it works.
Okay. Um, so why do the Eagles use analytics? Well, again, and you're talking about you're you're talking about Jeffrey Lurie values analytics. I mean, there's no question about that. But I think you're assuming he's looking at passer rating, and that's not what they're looking at. They're looking at GPS speeds. They're looking at they're looking at uh, measurables, numbers that you know, pro football focus numbers that people like or dislike or say whatever they want, and how do they grade plays and how do they do this? That's the numbers they're talking about. They're not talking about rushing yards and passer rating and rushing attempts. They're looking at advanced numbers that they find valuable. Now, I'm a, I'm more of an old school guy like you, believe it or not. We're having this discussion. I don't value those things as much as they value them. But that's they're, they're not we're not talking about passer rating when we're talking about the Eagles and analytics. That's just not that's just not how they have these guys. Ryan is from uh, Ryan Paganetti's from freaking Dartmouth. I mean, they get these Ivy League mathematicians to, to, to dream up these formulas to give them what they think is a slight advantage when predicting how things are going to shake out. Now, do I agree with that? Do I think you should place as much value as they do on that? Probably not. I think it's got more to do with coaching and execution and things like that. But our disconnect, Jody, is you think they're looking at passer rating. They ain't looking at passer rating. Trust me on that one. Uh, yeah, I'll stay old. I'll stay old school. I'll take that Aaron Rodgers guy who had the highest well, yeah, passer but, rating but the in the is, National Football League last year. I don't need to go higher level than that. I don't need to go more in depth. I don't have to go more granular. I can stop at passer rating and look at it and go, Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in the National Football League. Thank you. You can keep the rest of your spreadsheets. I'll stop there. Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in football. But they do. They do look at other things. And you're talking about one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time that a blind man could see as a great quarterback. You don't have to worry about Aaron Rodgers. Everybody, guys who old school guys, new school guys, Everybody can look at Aaron Rodgers and say, that guy's great. And if you can't, you should get out of this industry. Um, not everybody's Aaron Rodgers. And there's a lot of, you know, what makes there's, – there's a lot of quarterbacks in this league that get very divisive. Carson Wentz is one of them. What makes Carson Wentz good one year? What makes Carson Wentz bad one year? What makes Jared Goff good one year? What makes Jared Goff bad one year? What makes Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins. These are all good quarterbacks. These are all good NFL quarterbacks or have been. They're not great, but you know, how do you get how do you how do you parse through those types of players? How do you get, you know, why is Jared Goff a number one overall pick? Why is Carson Wentz a number two overall pick? To use those three quarterbacks, I think Cousins was fourth round maybe pick in, in Washington. If you're going to be honest, he's the best of those three quarterbacks. Where's the disconnect? How did that happen? They're not great. They're all good NFL quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers is easy. Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew, they're not easy. Yeah, I'm just wondering if the Eagles are going to use those same in-depth, Dartmouth-driven Ivy League researched 
analytics to decide whether Jalen Hurts should stick around as the Eagle quarterback. Oh, they will. They will use those. They will that use they those. Used, that they used to, to decide that Carson Wentz was going to get a five-year, hundred-and-change yeah. million-dollar Well, contract. nobody said it's easy. Nobody said it. Aaron Rodgers is easy. If you can get me Aaron Rodgers, we're good. Patrick Mahomes, he's easy. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, even Patrick Mahomes is not as easy as people think he is because of his mechanics, because of where he landed with Andy Reid. I, I think his career could have had a much different trajectory if he lands in a in a different situation. But that's a conversation for another day. Aaron right. Rodgers, though, it's one of the best five quarterbacks of all time. All right. We're well, speaking of uh, conversation for another day. We've got to push this off. We'll take one more time out, come back, put a bow on the show on this Friday edition on Birds 365. As a hardworking American, you've never experienced how tough life can be until now. A catastrophic injury while working on the job, a personal injury from someone else's negligence, turned away by other law firms in the region who didn't bother to learn your story. It's time to meet the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm and managing partner Brian Fritz. Badly injured? Call the Fritz and Beyond Cooley Law Firm. Find out why they say, we got this. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Ah, the savoring taste of a good bag of beef jerky is so enjoyable at any time of the day, as long as you can find it. Here's what we suggest. Pure Bull Beef Jerky is our answer, and soon it will be yours. Locally produced in the Philadelphia region, this high-quality, healthy protein snack is easy to secure. Go to Steersnacks.com, and you'll see hot garlic, tropical heat, Pure Bull Dry Rub, and our favorite, Huck and Fod. What's that? Huck and Fod. Go now to Steersnacks.com. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Come down the home stretch of a Friday edition of Bird Street 65 with your Mac and Mac guys. All right, uh, McMullen, we're going to wrap this up. up. 
you got practice today. What's the rest of your weekend look like? Uh, what's on the football front for John McMullen? No, to, no to practice today. Eagles, Eagles are off for the weekend. Uh, we'll see. I haven't gotten the schedule for next week. I assume they'll be back Monday, Labor Day. So we won't have a show, but I'm sure the Eagles will be back. All right. Uh, I've got CBS duties the next three days. I'm on tonight on CBS from 6 to 10, as a matter of fact, into my usual Saturday-Sunday gigs. In between, because of what John McMullen just said and the fact that uh, I, there are no numbers that I can look up that can tell me how good a young quarterback who's playing collegiate no, football is. I said there are no is. numbers. There are, there are no numbers that I value, that I value, okay. that could tell me, you know, what is the difference between – um, again, if you were, and I hate to pick on, you know, Cole Brennan, but Cole Brennan is Cole Brennan. Look at Cole Brennan's college statistics versus Patrick Mahomes, for instance. Well, one's a, a, a arguably the best quarterback in the NFL. I would say second best. And one didn't make it in the NFL. I mean, his statistics were better. So obviously there's a disconnect there. At the college level, it's much worse because you're not playing against the same competition. At least in the NFL, you have NFL players against NFL players. Right. There's some better context from that standpoint. But yeah, I don't I I've said from the start, baseball statistical game. That is a statistic based game. Football, not. It's just not. It's it's not as much as baseball. I think there are statistics that can be used and gleaned to help you make evaluations. But the eyeball test, the eyeball test, and I will give the eyeball test tonight to Sam Howell. I believe he's on ESPN. Um, I think North Carolina plays Virginia Tech tonight. Eight o'clock start, ESPN. And then noon tomorrow for you Spencer Rattler fans, Oklahoma. Nah, look at some Spencer people are Rattler, giving a man. chance to win a championship this year. They're getting it underway early noon on ABC yeah. tomorrow with Oklahoma. So, Yes, and hint, it, it, here's my early hint. Pay a lot of attention to Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I, I, I'm open-minded. Uh, I watched a bunch of Oklahoma last year, and things that he did impressed me, and some things that he did uh, gave me pause. So I'm not jumping onto the Spencer Rattler bandwagon with both feet. Uh, like I said, open-minded. He's got some more stuff, like – Justin Fields, before he ever started his senior year, uh, his junior year last year in college. I just know, like I know how much Howie Roseman values Lincoln Riley's opinion. That's why I say keep it, keep an eye on on Spencer Rattler. Okay, I I would tend to agree, but uh, you're going to bring in an Oklahoma guy to replace an Oklahoma guy. You have to do a disservice to the coach who you lean on for extra added wow. information wow. because Lincoln's you're moving away Lincoln. from Jalen Hurts. You're elevating an, an Oklahoma guy, and then you go, "Yeah, that Oklahoma guy." Yeah. Lincoln, Give us a Lincoln, different Oklahoma guy. Lincoln's going to be honest and tell you which Oklahoma's guy has got the bigger ceiling. He's going right. to be very honest. Would tend to agree. All right, J Mac. Good week this week. Uh, appreciate it, bud. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it. Come right back here on Birds 365 on Monday. See you then, everybody. Tuesday. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.